You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm Catherine Muir Miller, and I paint Canadian landscapes for a living. Catherine Muir Miller describes herself as a Canadian storytelling landscape artist. After an injury ended her professional career, she picked up a brush and dove headfirst into painting. Passionate about colour and inspired by the Canadian wilderness, she showcases landscapes rarely seen by any but the most adventurous. Here's my chat with Catherine Muir Miller. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Oh, who am I? I'm learning to define that just recently <laughs> um, through a life coach, believe it or not. I mean, that's a really deep question. My, I, I, you want me to just get philosophical or do you want me to just tell you I'm Catherine Muir Miller? I'm an artist. Yeah, I think we can. Yeah, I think we can start with what's on your driver's license. Okay. <laughs> Catherine Muir Miller and I am a landscape Canadian artist. How did you get into this? I, I fell into this. Um, it wasn't something I ever, if you were to ask me three or four years ago, if this is what I would be doing, I would probably laugh. Um, I fell into it as a result of uh, losing my nursing career and um, not being able to uh, work as a nurse and do a lot of the other physical sports I used to do. Um, I'm a highly motivated person. Uh, when I dive into something, it's 110%. So, you know, from a physical standpoint, when I was going to do a first triathlon, it was going to be an Olympic distance triathlon. So the art was similar. Um, I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to paint and I'm going to paint every day. And uh, so I would, I would be painting down in my basement in our older house for eight to 10 hours a day. Um, sometimes no painting, sometimes just three hours of making colors. I was fascinated with colors. Absolutely fascinated. Uh, fascinated looking into a landscape of green, but trying to f- count how many different types of green I can see. So it was, um, it was motivating for me. To, I challenged myself in that manner. How did you learn about painting? I first started a course from a retired art teacher in Nepean in her basement with five other retired teachers, and I was the young pup and uh, still working. And we would meet every Monday, and she taught in acrylics, and that was the first time I ever put paint on a canvas in my life. Uh, and that would have been 2011. It's not like you grew up painting? No, no. I never, never drew. I did stick figures. Uh, interestingly enough, my kids would say um, they always remember me doodling trees. I didn't realize that. Didn't clue into that. Um, a lot of things sort of line up over the years. Just my mom's love and passion for trees, and always telling us, "Oh, listen to the wind. Listen to the trees." And I always looked at them as dancing, but I didn't ever tap into that creative side of me until I was forced, really. Um, Interestingly, after a brain injury, I had a minor brain injury, uh, sometimes that creativity side becomes more profound. And uh, that might have been what happened to me, which I find also fascinating from a scientific sort of perspective. Um, I've had some neurocognitive testing and they, they sort of 
have given me that information that that might have also been what happened. Sort of an awakening of... An awakening. Um, and I just see color differently than people. I, I didn't realize that until now and, and having discussions with many people and other artists I just, I just see color differently. Um, I'm not a theorist. I don't have any, you know, theoretical art training at all. I did some classes at the Ottawa School of Art during this time of recovery as well. Again, hungry, hungry, hungry for more and wanting to just, just really tap into it. Um, but what I find fascinating is I'm starting to learn that, you know, I don't theoretically make a color like you know, we all know that, you know, red and yellow make orange. Uh, but if I want a specific color, it's all just by visual. It's kind of like your musician who has no theoretical train but learns by ear. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's how I am with color. I just, I just play with it and get to the color I want. So I play. I feel. Right. Yeah, by playing and seeing, I visually look and it, it could be just a tad off and I'm not happy until I get to where I want to be. So there's that perfectionist in me. Um, you know, I always used to like to decorate. So there, there's a creative side there that perhaps just wasn't nurtured until the last five years. So I did all the I did some classes at the Ottawa School of Art. Um, and then my, my goal was to do... Um, a retreat with Gordon Harrison, who is a Canadian landscape artist who has a gallery on Sussex. And uh, I was signed up to do an art retreat with him in the fall of 2015. And um, right, right after my, right, be, you know, right after my head injury, and I was still able to go. I went with my neck brace and I was just like a kid in a candy store off to paint with Gordon Harrison. And uh, for him, I painted differently than him, but he's a master of color. So here I was next to somebody who, who what I was drawn to was the color. So uh, I, I therefore ended up painting with him for three years. I did several retreats and painted every week with him until I started to get into um, some art shows in Toronto that he is also in. So that was when I, I, was, I was given my wings, so to speak. <laughs> what sort of stuff did you guys share? I mean, three years is quite a relationship. Yes. What sort of stuff did he impart to you that, uh, that kept you moving towards your goal? Uh, Gordon is... Um, He's not a stickler to rules, and I think that's what uh, where we hit it off. Um, he guided me, but also let me be. So, um, you know, not, not somebody behind you going, no, that's not right, or that angle's not right, or, you know, there's so many rules in art. If you do, if you study art, there's, there's theoretical rules that your subject matter will only work if you do this. Um, so I think more importantly, what I, I got from Gordon was the, the freedom. Um, and he, he allowed me to tap into that freedom. And he, uh, and he really helped me to be liberal with color. Who says, you know, he once said in class, well, you're not supposed to put orange and pink together because who would wear orange and pink? And it's like, who said that? I'm putting orange and pink together. Yeah, nobody's wearing a painting. Yeah. 
no, it's just like I loved, I loved how he thought. And I, I, I'm a person just by nature who likes to think outside the box. I brought my children up like that, that there's always another way of doing something. And, uh, and I guess that was sort of what hit home too, is that I liked his story and, uh, and um, I connected to his story, to his upbringing and how he fell into it and how he used to talk about the hours and hours he would practice and play. So that inspired me to do the same. And uh, so there was, there was a connection there. He was encouraging. And uh, the last thing he said to me was, Catherine, um, remember that you have your own style. Because for the first year and a half of all of the shows I went in, numerous times, oh, your work reminds me of Gordon Harrison. Oh, your work reminds me of Gordon Harrison, which is complimentary at first. <laughs> But then it's like, oh, how do I get my own look here? Yeah, that's a huge challenge for a lot of artists is, is to find their own voice, find their own imagery. You get told it's the group of seven, <laughs> and in, it, which I find so ironic because I, I never studied the group of seven. I, I probably could name five of them. But, um, you know, I just tell people that we're all painting the same landscape. A pine tree is a pine tree. <laughs> Right? Like, so if I go to Algoma in Algonquin, well, you know, the landscape hasn't changed that much. So clearly there's going to be a resemblance in the subject matter, but uh, it's finding your own style. And I think what's nice as an artist is when somebody can say, oh, I can pick out a Catherine Muir Miller. And that's kind of where there's a significant, significant difference between mine and for example, Gordon's. Um, he's much more, more established than I am, <laughs> but um, he also has a lot more years in it than I do. Well, so what made you want to take this from hobby to going pro? Interesting question. <laughs> um, I think, again, another thing I think I kind of fell into. Um, I, I needed validation. Um, I, I, I thought one day I'm going to drown down here with all these paintings and are they even good, right? It's like that music musician trying out for American Idol who's, who's horrible, right? <laughs> I mean, so I, I thought, well, is there a talent here? Like I know that your friends and family, oh, that's great. That's great. But I mean, so I, I applied to, um, I remember asking Gordon once, what's, what show did he feel was one of the best art shows he was in? And he said, the Artist Project is a show in Toronto at the Better Living Care Center. And, uh, and he said, it, you know, it sort of validates you. And it's, it's juried by 10 jurors. And you don't necessarily get in it every year. So it's a reapplication. And I thought, I'm going to apply to this. Just, I would ne never have been ready to go to it. But I wanted 10 people in a different city to say, you know, either don't quit your day job or keep going or whatever. I wanted feedback. So, you know, it was like uh, getting the reply was, was I was waitlisted, <laughs> uh, which was very celebratory to me because it validated that 10 people looked at my work and said, yeah, this is nice and that don't know me. And uh, so that was step one into 
feeding my soul to, oh, I'm going to keep doing this. And, um, and as a result of that, you know, your name goes to other shows when you're waitlisted that are sister shows. So then they call you and start inviting you. So, um, and, and being in Toronto, I, it was just, I was just so excited. I mean, they're so expensive, these shows. But the first show, you're like, I don't care. I'm buying exposure and, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I'm here and my husband's going, how are you going to get your work there? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. And anyway, a family effort they got Catherine down to Toronto. So that was, you know, and then again, you sell work and you're, wow, this is cool. Somebody doesn't know you bought a painting. Again, I was just sort of painting. I, I wasn't painting and I'm still not painting for a business. I'm painting uh, for the, from the stories. It's the stories that inspire me. Um, I believe every person has a story uh, and every step along your life along the way has a story so you know my five kids have done canoe tripping all across Canada so I get all these photos and um, hear their stories of oh this day mom we had to did a seven kilometer portage through the Yukon and and you get these crazy photos I'll do a five-day canoe trip with the nurses on a flat lake yeah seven kilometer portages are not for me at this point yeah no, I mean, yeah, this is a 52-day canoe trip, right? So, but the photos, the photos, oh, places I'll never see. So I'm like, oh, I've got to paint this. I've got to paint this. This is what kept happening. And then it was, oh, Catherine, I, you know, can I have that painting? Can I? And I just, uh, I started to realize I want to do a few more shows and see. I, I, I kind of got hungry for the exposure. So the business part, you know, I think it just kind of um it just kind of happens um you you also have bad experiences in in uh, and good ones along the way and I've had both and those experiences help you decide what kind of artist you want to be there is a nasty mean competitive art world out there is this between artists or is this you know, dealers and gallery owners I think it's between some artists I think it's Overall, the majority of people that I've met and run into, like the one-of-a-kind show is variety of artists. It's, you know, people making wooden bowls and clothing and jewelry and incredible people I've met. Um, but I've met people, you know, in visual artists are competitive. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand that for the life of me because um, – it's not a competitive thing. Yeah, why do you think they're competitive? Is it, is it for the exposure? Is it for the validation? There are people that get upset if you're selling work. Um, I, I, I was blown away by this. and um, In other words, if you're selling and they're not? Yeah, exactly. So I, um, you know, like I have a colleague who's also an artist and like I want to do shows together and I have somebody who was looking for a particular piece that I didn't have, but I call her up and say, Linda, have you got a 36, 40 pine tree of this? Because, you know, and she goes, Catherine, I can't believe you're doing that. And, and I thought, well, uh, so I said, of course. Like, so, but for my whole, my whole under, not understanding it was based on, as a viewer, 
if you go to an art show and you see 20 different visual artists, it's what your soul is, is attracted to. It's not, it shouldn't be, you know, well, I want to buy one of Catherine's over David's because it, it has to be what you connect to. In an ideal world, but let's be fair, art collectors, by the name, the piece is a little bit second. Oh, yeah. And that was sort but I've learned that since. I'm seeing a huge documentary on on that in, in really established artists in New York City. Um, but I guess I'm naive, right? I just... But it must be serving you well. I mean, naivety is perfectly fine if it's working for you. Well, I just want to stay... I just, I just made a decision that that's not a route... I want to go down and um, I just want to stay true. I I always want there to be a story. Um, I have to paint something that I feel. You've you've had a lot of success out of the gates. You worked with a great mentor. You got into the first big show that you reached out to and, and you've had a nice run and good response. Do you ever run into doubts about your talent, about where this is going, about what's next? Oh my goodness. A hundred percent. That's why, uh, Roby, I, I got a life coach <laughs> <laughs> because I was feeling, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I maybe six months ago, I said, well, I think I've peaked. This is it. I can't paint anymore. And I don't think I can do anything better. That happens over and over and over again. Or you'll paint three paintings in a row that are terrible. So you've just set yourself You've just set yourself up at that point for, you know, to just take the, the, the spiral downward if you choose to. Are there some ways that, you, that you've come across to combat this and get over it? Yes. I, I, and those are, those are what, uh, that's what I'm learning along the way is about finding the fine balance, um, you know, getting out in nature, doing something different. Um, try to get re-inspired, but not forcefully. It just happens. It's like, it's like if you're looking for the perfect husband or the perfect guy to date, it's not going to happen. You just, he just suddenly shows up when you least expect it. So, you know, it's, it's, I like putting these analogies, but it's, it's true. It's, it's, uh, it's, and then all of a sudden I go, oh my God, I, I'm going to go down and I paint and you just paint this painting you love. And then you're back on track again. Right? You're like, no, I got to take it a step further. It, I think you're just always pushing yourself. Um, you're all, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to become um, boring and routine. You want to always have something fresh. Um, so like when I do a series, I say I'm going to do a series, but sometimes there's only three or four in the series and I have to move on because I'm over it. So talk to me a little bit about the business side of things. I know this is not a, an area that you feel particularly strong. So tell me, how do you deal with it? I mean, people want to buy your stuff. People want to receive your stuff. How, how is this all working for you? Well, it's funny because, you know, for the first year and a half, I just wanted to paint. Even still, that's all I want to do is paint. Um, and I was, I was being encouraged by other people to, oh, get a website. Catherine, you've got to get your stuff out there. Get business. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not interested. You know, it comes to a time when you make decisions that you're going to go into an art show in Toronto. Well, logistically, you've got to have something in place. Um, so, you know, I, I, the website came and cards and all that sort of thing. 
and at first, you know, it's, it, it's, it's manageable. I don't know. It's like the ice cream truck. You know, you got five kids lined up and you give them all, I don't know. I, it, you know, you've got the, you, you can manage your truck and drive in the next neighborhood and do another 20 cones or whatever. Um, but, and that's how it kind of was, I guess. I mean, uh, I'd be thrilled and honey, I sold five and oh, whatever. And it, it was straightforward. You know, I, I had to get one of those little squares and that was, oh my God, a freak show trying to figure that out. So uh, it all worked out. And of course, my girls and my kids are amazing support. So they're always there with me in the shows for any technology problems. And, uh, I'm old school. I mean, I have everything in a book. Uh, I have a binder with all my lists that are written down. I have a system if I've checked that I, if I, if I, it's been put on the website, it gets a check mark. There's nothing on a computer, spreadsheet, none of that stuff. Even though people were dying to get me to do all that stuff, I said, no, I can't do it. So the business part, you know, and then it, it was becoming, I said to my husband last year, I feel like I'm spending half the day on the computer trying to, trying to do something and, and my images weren't right and you need to get a photographer because your pictures are terrible and my friend's husband would come and do, fo- it was just becoming uh, not fun. It wasn't fun. And then I realized, oh, five days have gone by and I haven't even painted. So. I made a decision to uh, get some help. And at first it was a family friend who did helped me on the side and you just pay a little bit per hour. She uploaded the website and applied to shows and then she found it was getting too much. So uh, we got someone else who, you know, had two other jobs, but was, this was something on the side. So, helpful but not really taking me seriously and that's when I got this life coach in January you know it was through a lot of talking with her that I realized there nobody's taking it seriously but me so I need to have somebody that I hire that does this kind of work so it's just recently that I hired a virtual assistant to a virtual assistant Canada and uh, like within three days, she has everything up and running. Just recognizing your limitations is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the you know the anxiety and not painting and not doing what I loved made me question what am I doing, um, and then recognizing well this isn't something I love because I don't enjoy it and um, you know, and it was causing anxiety and I didn't want to learn to become a good photographer or start to take a computer course. I just needed help. So I manage, the best part for me is hearing from a client. Uh, They will contact me when they want to purchase uh, something and I will respond to all the emails and I do all that. I love, I love the connection with people because I like having the discussion about the painting um, I'm a real people person. I kind of gathered that. <laughs> but I don't like, you know, like applying to galleries and trying to save images to send and um, ordering lights and walls for a show. And 
Oh my goodness. I try. I do. I mean, I do, I do do some of this stuff still too, but it's, it's the managing the day-to-day managing and making, making your business looking professional is very important. And I'm at that point that that's what I want to do. And I, I, in order to do that, you have to hire the, the, the right people to do that. So uh, today, everything's about social media too. So, you know, she's just revamped my Instagram, Facebook, all that, so that there's feeds going out regularly, and which I don't even know feed the word is, but I just, <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. People are always telling me, oh, you should put things on your story. I don't even, <laughs> I mean, anyway, it's just not my, my area, and uh, I, I, it keeps me from painting. So I'm hoping that this is um, going to be the solution for me. Well, I think that's a really good point that you're making is, you know, we live in a world where you no longer call a travel agent when you need to book a trip. You have to do it yourself. You know, you no longer have somebody that repairs your computer. You have to repair your computer. It's a world where we sort of are expected to be good at all of these things. And no one person can actually be great at all of them. So if you want something professional, like you're talking about, if you want to take it to the next level, bringing on people who do specialize and who are professionals in those areas is really, really helpful and can take a lot of the stress and strain off of you know the, the person who's, who's trying to actually produce the product itself, the actual art, the actual piece. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's like the surgeon, you know, they tend to have terrible bedside manners, (laughs) which isn't really acceptable, but still, uh, you know, but you don't really care if they're, hi, Mrs. Miller, how are you today? I'm going to be taking out your pancreas. You care that they're going to do it properly. So recognizing what your talents are and what you're not talented at and, uh, and, so I don't know. This is a very, very, very small business for me. And you hesitate because anything that you want to grow with costs money, for example, even just hiring somebody. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're always worrying about uh, making ends meet with it. Tell me, what does a typical day look like for you? Well, I, I'm 2020 has been about finding my balance and starting to believe in myself as an artist. Um, I was always calling myself a nurse first until recently, but uh, a typical day is, uh, you know, your usual, you're usual answering a few emails in the morning if there's any. Um, I do, uh, I do a little workout and a nice big hour walk with my dog, which many of my paintings are inspired from those walks. I typically don't start, a lot of artists will paint in the morning throughout the day and stop about three. I start to paint around three. Like I haven't painted today and I'll be painting probably uh, about four o'clock today till sometimes till 10 o'clock at night. Is that just when inspiration hits you? Yeah, I just, I'm more, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more alive. I think about it. I'm thinking about it. Like I'm thinking about what I'm painting next on my walks, uh, even when I'm in bed, and then I start thinking of my color palettes. It's, the painting can often go very quickly. It's the process before for me. I might take two hours just to make my colors for my painting um, and see all my colors together on a palette before I start painting. Um, and then, um, I'm, then I start to visualize and you talk about some of the things I learned from Gordon, apart from the essence of freedom. 
he is a huge uh, believer in visualization and it's a very difficult task to master. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point about uh, all the work that goes on before you actually put the brush to the paint and the paint to the canvas. Uh, A lot of people think that it's just, okay, I've got two hours, it's time to be creative. And they just hop in and start doing something. That's not really how this works. Not for most people, not for most artists. Not at all. And it's, it's a very common question by visitors at shows is, oh, how long does it take you to paint that, for example, or that, for example, and they'll point to different sizes. And um, it's, a, it's one of the hardest questions um, I find to answer, yet people, it's one of the most common questions. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to paint that? It's, and uh, I find it a difficult one to answer because um, the actual physical painting of it is often not as long as one would think, but um, it's the, as you said, it's the time that I've put into it before. Like I could think about a painting for two weeks every day. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about the layout. I'm thinking about what colors I want, what season do I want, what kind of movement do I want. Um, And then once I start making the colors, that's very exciting because I'm starting to visualize it now and then then I just am so excited once all the colors are made I I, you know I just get right to it and uh and those are the paintings that are the most successful the ones that you've thought about for a while they come pouring out they come pouring out at the right time it's it's all uh one of my mottos in life is uh is uh all in the goodness of time. I, I, I heard this, old, this lady that lived beside us. I had five little kids under seven, and I thought I was going to go out of my mind. And I was outside, and our neighbor, this Jamaican woman with her strong accent, said, Oh, Catherine, all in the goodness of time. It will all be okay. Because I was trying to get one in the house, and, and I thought, Oh, you know, I could have, you know, when somebody says, oh, just wait till they're grown up, you know, like it's, you're living what you're living now. You don't want to hear that. So I, uh, but it was her, those words have carried me from then till now. And uh, with everything I'm doing, it, whether it was my sports, um, my art, a painting that has, that I want to do, it'll, it'll come out when it's time to come out. And what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out or wanting to get into something similar as what you're doing? I think the biggest advice you could I can give anybody is to not have expectations so high right away because you'll set yourself up for failure. It takes hours and hours of work and devotion and dedication to become a master at anything. So don't expect to be a master, right? It's It's... Uh, for me, it's evolution. It's evolving. It's changing as I grow. I'm, bec- you know, I'm a different artist now than I was a year ago. So let yourself sort of have that liberty and freedom, and give yourself a break. But also put the work in. I mean, I've had. I'm starting to teach now. I teach from my home. I have four students, and the classes are always full. And um, some of them will say, "Oh, but I want to paint my trees just like yours, Catherine." You, you can't paint your trees like me. You have to paint your trees how you want, how you see them. 
And how do you get that exact color? And I said, there's no magic formula. It's hours of me playing with colors. So instead of making it negative by saying, oh, you have to put the hours in, I just tell them to play and see what you come up with. Just keep playing with your, with your passion. And it, it, will, it, will, uh, it will lead you somewhere. So where can people find more about you? Um, I have a website. It's katherinemuirmiller.com. And um, I have Facebook, Catherine Muir Miller. And I have Instagram, Catherine Muir Miller as well. Perfect. See, now you're really right up on all of the social media stuff. Yes, I am. <laughs> Except I don't have Twitter. Can't have them all. <laughs> Thank you very much for being on the show and sharing how you make a living. Thank you so much, Roby, for having me. It was a pleasure and I really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Making a Living Show is brought to you by me, but if you'd like it to be brought to you by you, then become a patron of the program at makingalivingshow.com. There's a button there that will take your money and give it to me. You can find me at robylevy.com. Thanks for listening.